As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, let's get started. How's your back, by the way, after that TikTok? It's it's okay. Um, it did hurt, though. Maggie did a TikTok. Did you see it, guys, where she was like bending backwards underneath the line, getting progressively lower, like doing the limbo, and the line kept getting lower? Yeah. I couldn't believe how low you got, and then, of course, you collapsed and fell backward on the concrete. Was that your yeah. plan, or did you have a plan? No. No, that was like my... Um, maybe like fifth or sixth time doing it um, because it's actually, it was really difficult to jump up afterwards because your legs are just like whatever. And so I had a few takes where like I would have jumped up and like just the, like an inch of my shoe was in it. And I was like, you're kidding. Um, and I actually, I did have one that worked out, but I was like, I can do it better. You know how we get into that mindset where we're like, we must be perfect. Um, yes, I do know that mindset. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that was going on. And so I was like, I'll just, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. And my body just collapsed. And then I was and like, And that's, well, that's the version that you posted. Yeah, I figured yeah. people can watch people doing it successfully. Um, but dude, it's not even my back anymore, but my legs. I think I like actually like pulled the muscles. They hurt so bad. Mm, I'm so sorry. Right, okay. What are you doing for that? You're resting or taking uh, hot sh hot baths or showers or icing or? Yeah, I don't do have doing? a bath. Um, That's right. <laughs> you have a pool. Uh, no, I'm just I'm cold. just kind of chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Figured it'll pass eventually. All right. Self massage, lots of water. Maybe get a massage from um, you know a good well, massage therapist. Here's the that, thing. That would though. be helpful. You do that when you've like worked out muscles, but if you've pulled them, should you still massage them or like let them heal? Um, it's kind of a mix of both. We could talk about that a little bit more because I think that that could be beneficial. But um, for example, in my, my life, I've had a lot of injuries, both from like stretching something, overdoing something, or also like just being tired and sore from working out. But in either case, you might have knots and you need more blood flow. And so the blood can only flow through a muscle that's looser. If it's knotted, the blood can't get in there and it can't like fix something. So if you feel a knot and you feel like the good kind of pain when you massage it, then it's probably okay. It's probably helping to like speed up the blood flow. That's it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's at least my personal experience with pain, which has been extensive, I will tell you. <laughs> So, yeah. you ready to get started? Let's do it. Roll that intro music. Mags and Dads, wholesome chaos. Mags and Dads, wholesome chaos. 
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wholesome Chaos, the podcast where we talk about our real life in real time in order to help each other, also to help you in your life and have a lot of fun along the way. And I am ready to have fun with you, Maggie. And we had so much fun with you last week. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Maggie Thurman, my daughter on the other end. How you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm good. That was a really nice intro. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, la- last week was fun. I was actually listening to last week's podcast this morning because I hadn't had a chance to do that yet. And it's just so fun when we're all together. Um, and that was just such a fun trip in general. But we that by the time we'd filmed that podcast, that actually wasn't the end of our trip. No. Wasn't it? Was it that day that we drove to San Diego? Um, pretty much. We did the podcast in the morning and then you had an audition that afternoon. Yeah. A callback. And then, and that's really why we had to wait to drive in later. Um, yeah. So I, I should also mention that Eddie and mom are here in the studio with us. You guys want to say hello? Yes. Hi. Welcome. 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 We're counting down, Maggie. Oh no, you didn't introduce me. Go ahead. I'm ready. Guys, I'm that, ready that voice, that voice that you're hearing right now, hello, is this voice is right here. the one and only. <laughs> Come on, Dan Thurman, Steve Carell. The, no, wait, no. With, <laughs> with the last name spelled M O N. There's probably yeah some Dan Thurmans, but this is Dan Thurman, and he DanThurman.com. Yes, but if you misspell my name and and then use .com, chances are you're st- going to still get there because mom is so smart. She got the thurman.com, M-A-N, thermond, M-O-N-D, and maybe Good. a few others I don't even know about. Yeah. <laughs> so you should be able to <laughs> find me. No, and I, and I don't look like Steve Carell, but a lot of people think I do. Maybe <laughs> I do. You do a little bit. I know. I used to get told I look like Tom Cruise or Tony Danza. Now it's Steve Carell. What is Tom Cruise up to these days? Oh, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while. I think yeah, he's making a movie either. or something. Uh, Probably. That's yeah. so Tom. I'll, I'll shoot him a that's text. That's so Tom. Yeah, it's so that's Tom. That's so Tom. <laughs> I call him TC. <laughs> and he calls me DT. Yeah, right. That's nice. Yeah. That's sweet. It is sweet. But no, we, we, we drove down to San Diego and you drove your, your Prius, your car. We all got some coffee for the ride to keep us awake and alert. I was snoozing, man. I was, I yeah, was riding I was about shotgun. To say, only yeah. you and I got coffee and you slept for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I failed miserably in my job as shotgun responsibility to keep the driver alert and awake. I was it's okay. Out. I don't know why. Maybe the time zones are just, you know the full totality of the wonderfulness of our trip and our time with you, something yeah. like that. But San Cars- Diego is a great city and we have a lot of fun memories there from NSA experiences. Eddie and I have taken a bunch of trips there for my speeches. Um, yeah. It's one of the most beautiful cities in America, I think. Oh, yeah. I was going to say cars in general also just like kind of feel natural to sleep in a little bit. Yesterday, some mm. friends and I, we went to the beach for a little bit. We went to Malibu um, and like we watched sunset there and then we went to drive back and um, the two friends I was with, they were driving and shotgun and I was in the back and I just kind of it was, it was dark outside. I've been trying to be off my phone more. Um, and so I was like, you know, it just feels natural to lay down right now. And so I just laid down and I opened my eyes and it's it's dark outside. I'm looking forward and I just see 
it was it was a guy friend and a girlfriend and I was like this 100% feels like my mom and dad are driving me home right now and like maybe <laughs> if I pretend to be asleep when we get there one of them will carry me in <laughs> like, did it work it just no no we did were talking about in? that though I did no. not but getting out of that car was disorienting because I was like I I haven't slept in a car in a long time and I didn't really fall asleep but you know just like the act of sleeping even if you're not asleep um but no, we actually talked about that. Where we were like, did your parents ever carry you in? And we were like, oh, yeah. And then they were yeah. talking about, oh, yeah, like I, I would fake sleeping just to get. You definitely did. Pregnant. You faked sleeping pretty late into your childhood development. And I, I, I knew it, but that that I didn't mind carrying you in. Oh, no. Yeah. Maggie, Maggie fell asleep everywhere. I have pictures of her around the world asleep in our laps, on trains, in buses. <laughs> At, at weddings, she's just out. She she could fall asleep anywhere. Yeah. Which is crazy because that's so different now. It's a good it's a good skill to have. Yeah, I'm not like that now, though. <laughs> I was thinking about when you said that, about sleeping in a friend's car or me sleeping while you were driving. It's really an act of trust, saying, like, I totally yeah. entrust you as we're going, you know, 75 miles an hour in crowded California traffic. Uh, I'm so much that I'm going to actually be unconscious right now. But then yeah. I guess riding in a car in general is an act of trust because there's not much you can do if you're not the one driving, you know? I trust no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom, mom doesn't trust anybody. That's what she, that, she wants to drive. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but no, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, absolutely. But this started because we're talking about San Diego. <laughs> right. Yeah. What was your highlight? Um, man. You weren't there long. We, you basically stayed there... Um, well, I guess you were there two nights because we got there the day before. I was there as long as you were. I, I dropped you all at the airport. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> she was there the whole time. He was sleeping in the car when we, you dropped us at the airport. Scratch <laughs> that. Reverse it. Yeah, exactly. I, you were there the whole time. I guess in, in my plan, you would probably be leaving the next day before my speech, but you didn't. You ended up spending the whole time with us. We had a free day before our speech. We grabbed an awesome lunch brunch yeah sort of we walked to to brunch and then um yeah then we had an amazing sailboat experience but before we go into that you know maggie you were talking about when you were a kid and you were growing up and one of the challenges of growing up as your body's changing and all of this is acne and acne is something that can follow you not just through your high school years and and all of that but into adulthood i know i've dealt with acne in weird moments where I'm like getting ready for a board meeting, you know, where you want to be presenting yourself looking really sharp or going on stage in front of an audience and you know you're going to be on yeah. camera and on screen. And I imagine as an actress, you've had, had to deal with that um, as well, a time or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've all had struggles with our skin, and that's why we are excited to partner with Apostrophe, the sponsor of this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board of certified dermatologists who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your skin. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats all types of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne and even chest knee, back knee, and butt knee. They treat breakouts from head to toe. Butt knee. So that's what you call it. How about that? Learn something new every day. <laughs> 
For me personally, I know one of my big goals was for my skin to not break out every single time I wore makeup. Um, And so it was really important to me to get a routine that worked for me. Um, And this was this was a great option. Absolutely. And we have a special deal for our audience where you can save $15 on your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash chaos when you use our code chaos. This code is available to our listeners. That means you. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash chaos and click begin visit. Then use our code chaos at the sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash chaos. And use that code chaos to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for only $5. And we thank Apostrophe so much for sponsoring this podcast. If you didn't catch that link, go to wholesomechaos.com and you can see it there or look at the show notes for this podcast episode. And speaking of which, while you're looking at the show notes, why not give us a follow, subscribe, rate this podcast? That way you'll be always apprised of the most recent episode as soon as it drops and you can share it with the ones you care about and with your friends too. So, (laughs) San Diego. (laughs) San Diego. You mentioned we were on a boat. Um... And that was, that was a really cool experience, something that I still don't know. I asked Eddie this a few times. Were the seals real? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the seals were real. The submarines were real. The helicopters zooming over our heads were real. No, 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 All no. the other boats I... were real. It, was, it, was, it really happened, Maggie. <laughs> the, the Navy seals are real also. You weren't dreaming. You didn't fall asleep on the boat and imagine all that. This, this, no, this was but... legit. But they did not look real because they were all on like the uh, crap. What do you call the like flotation thingy? The buoy. The buoys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like three of them on there, and they weren't moving. And I was like, ah. Oh. And Eddie was like, oh, that's so crazy that there's seals right there. And I was like, ha ha ha. Yeah, there's seals right there. Because you know how sometimes, we- like especially like Florida beaches, will put fake seals on it. Yes. <laughs> no, these were real, and and um, you know they were just out there sunning themselves, enjoying the day. Although it was kind of a chilly day. We had to have on some extra layers when you're out on the water and it was, uh, you know, the marine layer was kind of uh, preventing the sun from doing its full thing that day. Anyway, it was awesome. And we have a great friend, my buddy Dan Burris, who's in my mastermind group, who is part owner of that particular boat, which was beautiful. This this lovely 40-foot catamaran sailboat. Um, and I had never seen it before. So that was my first time enjoying that experience. And I'm I'm just really grateful that he did that for us and we got to share it together as a family. Yeah, very yeah that was wild. You take pictures with everybody driving the boat. I think Eddie yeah. had the most time um, driving the boat. Did you enjoy that, son? Oh, yeah, it was awesome. It was terrifying, but great. Why was it terrifying? I'd, I've never driven a boat before. That's probably why. At Sea Base, when <laughs> you were going a fast. scout. Maybe. But it was smaller and It was going slower. so fast. Yeah, and really, when um, because I was the first one to drive it, and he Dan was just kind of like, "Hey Eddie, come here," and so I walked over, and he just kind of like stepped away, and was like, "Here," <laughs> and he said, "Steer toward those secret submarines in the naval base." <laughs> yeah, and just and 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 then our other friend Bill was like, "Yeah, he's trying to get you arrested, Eddie. Don't listen to him." <laughs> I know it was. I mean, it was just scary because it handles differently. I mean, it's not. I don't know. It's. Mom really loved it, though. I I really enjoyed it. And 
I was really surprised. I figured the play in the um, the wheel would be really little. Like I'd have to move it a lot to to move a boat that size. But every little movement, we, it was yeah. responding. And so to me, it was way cool that it was so responsive. And yeah, it was fun. It's beautiful, beautiful boat. Oh, Do you yeah. call it a boat? Feels like we should call it something else, like a yacht, because it was so big and beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. And again, just more evidence that mom likes to drive. She feels most <laughs> in control yes. when she's the one driving, period. Except for planes. Um, I did get to fly a plane once, and I I went up. You guys bought it for me for a Mother's Day gift when mm. you were younger. And so I got my headset on, and then he gives me control, and we immediately hit an air pocket, and I went, whoa, whoa. <laughs> And I realized, wait a second, every time I say that, he's hearing it <laughs> yeah. in his headphones. No more of that. But then I realized really quickly that actually those air pockets or whatever you call them make it way more fun flying the plane than if you're just like, yeah. it's it's kind of like, yeah. So I enjoyed it, but I obviously I didn't take off or land, which I don't have a desire to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had gotten my private pilot's license by then and had been doing some flying and mom was writing a script for the WASPs, the Women Air Force Service Pilots. And she was getting ready to go to this reunion with all these incredible women who used to fly and ferry, and ferry the planes to battle during World War no, II. Not to battle. They, they fired, they right. f- ferried the military planes from different bases or the factories to the coastline where the, the, the pilots, um, the men pilots, would fly them over into either the the European or the Pacific um, battles. It's an amazing story and a great screenplay that she wrote. But I said, you can't go meet these women unless you've flown a plane. So yeah. that's <laughs> that's why we gifted her that, uh, that special experience. Yeah. So, and it never remember, came up in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, being in the plane that George took us on. Um, we were all in it. And then he let you drive, Dad. Um, yes, and that, yeah. was, that was the only time you ever flew with me. Dad, that Eddie. was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. <laughs> Why? I did a great job. Dad, I it guess was, you just didn't know. No, it, I knew it was it was a little rough. And Aunt Sandy was losing it in the backseat. <laughs> well, again, we were in air pockets. So so there's nothing you can do about the plane bouncing around the sky. You're in the sky and air currents are constantly changing and shifting. When you're in a jet, you don't feel it because the jet's flying so fast and it's so heavy that unless those are massive, like it's not a big deal. But if you're in in a small plane, then you feel everything. And that's just normal. It really is. Yeah, I think it had to do with the fact that you hadn't flown in so long, so we didn't know how comfortable we should feel. If we had experienced the same amount of movement with George flying, knowing that he's a pilot flying, you know. Well, George week. never flew. You never yes, experienced George flying because I, t- yeah, I took off. Well, no, I flew, George flew, I flew the then. return with you, George, and me, and Sandy. So they must have flown at a different time because. It was just the four of us because Sandy and I bonded. <laughs> we were both like holding hands for the entire time that, that you were flying. But again, I think it has to do with the fact that you hadn't flown in years. And so we just didn't know how well you were really. And George, 
George was looking at maps and stuff. He wasn't paying attention. We went, yeah. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm willing, George. George, please look up. Please tune in. I said, Should you be concerned? But yes, no, you're right. Everything was fine. You did great. George thought you did great. I did great. We all lived. And here oh we are goodness. making a podcast. <laughs> Hey, yeah. uh, a couple, couple, couple things I want to bring up about this podcast is just this is a countdown to Eddie's last couple podcasts before he moves out to California um, to the Tahoe area to be with Morgan. So I just want to like own that that this is going to be a really hard thing because you've been it's been amazing yeah. to have you home. Hard for us. Hard for us. <laughs> like we're going to officially be empty nesters, yeah. I guess, for a little while. Maybe yeah. maybe a long while. Who knows? Yeah, and so this is I think my second to last podcast, and then next week will be the last. Yeah, yeah. So for it's up for now, temporary. For now, yeah. As things are changing, until we have an excuse for all of us to gather together together again. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's interesting how you encounter these little bursts of time, and I think that we'll always remember this burst of time as. You know, when Eddie was home and we were all doing podcasts together more regularly and we got to go mm-hmm. to California, like that was a really monumental trip from that regard. Yeah. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Very fortunate. Hey, speaking of injuries, like from earlier, did I ever tell you about the time? Do you remember the time that I pulled my hamstring so bad that my whole back of my leg was like incredibly bruised and I was really yes. injured for the better part of a year? Yes. Okay, I remember the better part of the year. I don't remember how you hurt yourself. <laughs> okay. So I was at a speakers conference. This was for all the international speakers bureaus, the ones who book speakers from all over the world. I was about to be coming in as NSA president. And so I was there representing pretty much the whole profession of speakers. And I had my thing. I was doing my thing there, but also just watching and networking well, it was kind of late at night. We were in in um, Canada, in Vancouver, and we were just sitting around a restaurant. Some people were having drinks or whatnot. And this one girl comes up and she, and she says, my eight-year-old daughter, who's a gymnast, wants to challenge you to a splits contest. Oh. Okay. And I know well enough that I, at 50-something, should not be in a splits contest with an eight-year-old gymnast. Okay. Yeah. But I was like... I can humor her. Like, I know I could still do the splits. Like, I've got that covered. Um, You know, I hadn't really stretched. I hadn't warmed up. I hadn't gotten into it. But I decided, like, I'd do something more dramatic. And so I I busted a handstand, and I did 10 handstand push-ups. And I'm like, I know this little 8-year-old girl can't do this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as I was coming down from the handstand, I kicked my one leg between my hands and dropped like flat all my body weight right into a split. And at that moment, I immediately knew like I had just done something terrible and I'd ripped my hamstring. Um, I could barely, like I was thinking, how do I get to my room? How do I get up so that nobody knows how badly I've just hurt myself? Um, And it was bad. Like I, I was able to pull it together enough that people didn't pick up on it that day, but the next day I could barely walk. And then like days later, it was like the whole back of my leg was all black and blue. Um, And then the tricky part was like while I was recovering, I was still speaking. And there was still this expectation that I was going to be acrobatic and do at least, you know, most of my 
speech and my act, my athletic ability in the course of healing. So there's always been like that. Every time I've been injured, it's been, well, you can't completely rest it. You've got to like work through it somehow play while you're injured. So yeah. anyway, that's what I said Man. when I had a lot of experience with that. That's what I mean. That's, that is very tough for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I do remember that story now that you, now that you say it, man. Moral of the story, don't get into a splits contest with an eight-year-old eight gymnast. gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> man. Hey, Maggie, let's take a listener question, okay? Go for it. This one comes in from Benji, who is um, a listener to our podcast, and he wrote, I love the podcast on my daily commutes, and it's been helping me enjoy life more, little by little, also giving me the courage to take on new challenges and opportunities. My question is quite a heavy one, but can be shortened to, how have you recovered and reconciled relationships from making the worst mistakes of your life? Now, again, Benji gave us permission to share his name, um, it, but, but basically what happened, it, and he elaborates a little bit on his story, is due to some you know, mistakes that he made and some behavior that he's not proud of and things that he's done, he really feels like he's damaged family relationships, particularly with his cousin, um, when he was at a low state, when he was doing things that were really, uh, you know, at a different time in his life. And he just knows that he's got this journey ahead of him of apologizing, taking ownership, and repairing those broken relationships. And he just said, I don't know where to start, and asks for any advice or any insights. Um, so that's a heavy question, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you kind of answered it a little bit in just your explanation of there's a road ahead of apologies, taking ownership, and honestly, just living your life in a different way, even if they don't accept it at first. Yeah. Because mm. it's, it's understandable that if you've, if you've wronged someone and then you go back to them and you're like, no, 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 I'm different, that they might be wary of that. They might have questions. They might not take it, you know, your word for it. Um, but if they continue to see your life and like see the love that you have and like the change that you're living in, it'll take time. But I do think that they will begin to see and like recognize and accept that change in you. That is very smart. Yeah. I, I kind of want to share a story and I, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be too personal. Um, if it's on your heart, man, go for it. Yeah. So I, when I was really little, like started, I was like six years old. Um, I had a best friend called Brooks and, um, we were friends for many, 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 many years. Um, like, yeah, the bestest of friends. Um, and then in middle school that just got completely overturned and we just started like fighting more. There was a lot more like kind of like bullying of each other and like I'm not gonna get into specifics because it was I feel like it was both of us just being childish like I don't know it was it was silly um but you know we stopped talking and then just for years and years never talked and that was something that always really bothered me um because I especially looking back at it as an adult I think I don't know. I just recognized all of the childishness of it. And, um, eventually, you know, after we kind of went our own separate ways, went to different colleges, 
um, you know, kind of had our whole lives planned out and we're, we were doing what we were planning on doing. Um, we eventually just reconnected over Instagram. I don't remember what it was exactly. If I just saw his Instagram or something like that, but, um, we just like exchanged, you know, a quick few words and I feel like I apologized to him for the way that I acted and was just like, look, I just want you to know that like, there's no hard feelings and I'm, you know, I'm really sorry. And I'd love to rekindle our relationship. Like, you know, if you're ever back in Georgia, then, you know, let's have coffee and like hang out and talk. Um, and he was, you know, he felt the exact same way and it was just great. I, I don't know. Like you never know what reaction you're going to get. Um, but I do think just a wholehearted apology goes a really long way. Um, yeah. and it, I mean, that's, that starts it. There's a lot of vulnerability in doing that. Um, and you're not necessarily, you know, you really don't know how they're going to react. They might react with forgiving you or, um, like moving towards something like a new, new sort of relationship, or they might just respond with anger and, um, not forgive you and that's really really hard but the whole the whole key there is to go into that kind of an encounter without any expectation because it's not about how they respond to you it's about healing your own heart and your own sense of self and living with your uh mistakes you know and and that benji first of all thank you for asking that question thank you for reaching out about something that was so deeply personal in your life um it's humbling because you know none of us are trained therapists. None of us have these counseling skills. We, I've done a lot of counseling and coaching, and um, a lot of people come to me for this type of advice in their lives because of my career track and just my perspective on things. Um, but it's important, especially with questions about like depression and anxiety and medical diagnoses, to, to really elevate the idea that this is not our vocation. Um, however, I've also had a lot of experience in my own life with, with recovery, I, I too have damaged relationships. And I think the first step is to ask yourself genuinely, like, why did that happen? What was going on with you in your own mind from your own sense of, of what was important, your lack, your priorities, or maybe there was some other uh, obsession in your life. Or even for me, I know I've done some things before I decided to remove alcohol from my life that were compelled or motivated by the person that I am when I'm drinking or the person that I am when I'm, you know, dealing with addictive behavior. And it's not, I'm not motivated by a, a connection with a relationship. It really coming from a selfish, selfish place. And so the first thing is to understand, like, how do I make sure that never happens again? which was for me, as I've mentioned on past podcasts, a motivation to really address those behavioral changes. Uh, and then secondly, yes, you go to someone and you make amends. That's part of the 12 steps. That's part of uh, improvement in life is to make that first step. And even in instances, here's the key, even in instances where you're not the only one who's guilty of damaging a relationship, like I'm not going to forgive them until they apologize for what they did and, you know, whatever. It's like, no, you just have to go into it owning your part of it, owning your responsibility and saying, look, I, I'm partially responsible or, or mostly responsible for what happened and, I, and we can't go back. I wish I could undo that. 
but I can't undo that. And then we can move forward. And, and like Maggie and Eddie both said, it's about what you do next, the track record of success. For sure. And it's a good thing Eddie and, and Brooks are reconnecting because when they were six years old, they had a plan to live next door to each other and marry sisters. So, oh. you know, now they're back on, on the track. Back on track. Yeah. <laughs> Except Morgan doesn't have a sister. Never mind. Yeah. Brooks, you're out of this one. <laughs> Man. Maybe, maybe you're on your best own with friends. The girls. I don't know. That that could be it. Yeah. So so thank you so much for reaching out with that question. And and yeah, life's a journey. It's about um, learning from the past on the one hand and then leaving the past behind on the other hand. Uh, there's a new video that's just dropped. Um, actually, the day before this podcast dropped, you could find it on danthurman.com called Irreversibility. And it's about exactly that, the, the principle that, you know, there's, it, it's a scientific term. I'm studying chaos theory right now it, it, with regard to like chemical processes and reactions that are can't be undone. You can't unmix paint or you can't like uncreate certain reactions. Once they happen, they happen. Well, it's the same in life. And so when we can accept that, then we know, look, we can't undo anything that is irreversible. We can only move from it uh, forward and your, the relationship will always be different in some ways, um, but it could be stronger because the relationships that endure that type of a strain and stress and hardship and then recover, now they have a different layer of um, credibility to withstand the hardships that are in front of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So pain happens in a lot of ways. You pull muscles, <laughs> you pull your heartstrings. Life is pain, Highness. You know, it's really interesting, Eddie, to hear you talk about like Brooks and everything because Brooks was a big part of my childhood as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember having a having a crush on, on the boy next door. Um, yep. He was a cutie. Yeah. He might still also, be. I don't know. I haven't seen him lately. I, I think you also just like want to have a crush on the boy next door. I blame Taylor Swift um, mm, and the You Belong yeah. With Me music video. Because like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we can we can like write love notes to each other. He did not feel the same way because I was the annoying little sister, which was fair. Um, yeah. But just <laughs> speaking of like childhood friends in general, I bought a book um, the other day and I got it yesterday. Um, it's called burn after writing and like the whole premise of it is it's like have you guys heard of this no no so it's like it's a book in which it's a bunch of different questions and prompts here's okay i'm gonna read you the back of it real quick because it's so interesting to me okay it says how honest can you be when no one is watching tumblr facebook linkedin twitter instagram texting snapchat youtube the world has become one giant confessional in a reversal of this trend burn after writing encourages you to share nothing with its incisive questions and thought experiments this journal is private oh wait this private journal challenges you to play a game of truth or dare with yourself and so it's like a bunch of different questions about like you know like who is one person that you regret meeting in life or like who is someone you need to forgive but it's also like a bunch of fun questions and like childhood questions like what's your earliest memory who was your first best friend and it has me thinking a lot about it because I don't remember so much of my childhood and like that's something I've always been worried about is like I just I forget things pretty easy um and I think a huge part of it is like I'm just always 
doing multiple things at once. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's a lot mm-hmm. of people. If I'm that's if a, I'm cooking, sounds like a really I'm good also, book though. Yeah, yeah. If I'm cooking, I'm also watching TV. If I'm driving, I'm also listening to music. If it, you know what I mean? Yeah, you you forget to re, to like capture the moment, moment. which is I yeah. feel like I did that uh, in San Diego on the catamaran. Like I I just went out there and I like sat down and just took it all in and like. I don't know, was taking a picture in my mind, like a 3D yep. scan yeah. of everything, just so I could Meanwhile, remember. mom took a picture of you Whoa. out there taking that picture. And I That's took a picture crazy. of mom taking a picture of Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's a and really cool book. I was just watching Seals. <laughs> <laughs> and I, have, I have video of um, the Seals. And something, something that I'm challenging myself to do is to truly just do one thing at a time. Um, at least for like a few days, um, where it's like, if when I was, when I was having my coffee this morning, like to just sit there and have coffee and not be on my phone also. And counterly is counterly a word maybe on the, on the other side of it, if I'm, yeah, if I'm on my phone, just be on my phone, like if I'm if I'm on Instagram, just be on Instagram. Don't be listening to music or a podcast or like literally doing like eight different things. Like just do one thing. And I want to see if that helps like my focus in life because I feel like yeah. I struggle with focus. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know in a week how it's going. <laughs> yeah. One of the most powerful books in my life that I continue to read and reread all the time. I've mentioned it before is Ed Cartole, The Power of Now. He's actually going to be... Um, in Atlanta later this year, and he's he's still alive. I want to meet this guy, and so I'm going. I decided I'm, I'm going to plan to go to one of his experiences. I have that regret about Wayne Dyer, who is also a huge influence. Like I could have met him because I knew a lot of the same people who know him. But anyway, so I want to go hang out with Eckhart Tolle. But um, the power of now is just such a profound book. I can't listen to it too much. Um, love to listen to it while I'm in the woods and such. But the way I think about it in terms of presence, it's it's a journey we continue to learn and, and fail at and improve upon throughout our whole life. Um, but it's like uh, the Bill Burnham song, can I interest you in everything all of the time? That's mm-hmm. the That's the seduction of technology. It's like I have instant access to everything, so I should be engaged with as much of everything as I can handle at any given moment in order to be feeling like I'm getting more out of life. You don't, you get less out of life because like you said, Eddie, the moments go by you. It's about being in the moment that you have and, and understanding that within that moment, if you are truly present and in that moment exists the totality of life, like everything is about and it, uh, the human experience is a profound moment, no matter where you are to simply be in that and observe everything. Yeah. Another great book is called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman, another great book. And it also talks about the power of the moment. Um, he has a great mentor teacher in this book. It's written as a parable who asks him to go outside and sit quietly until he can think of a profound idea. You know, don't come back in until you can tell me something that's A, true, and B, like profound and real. And he struggles with this. He's like trying to come up with like the deepest, most elaborate and, you know, incredible discovery about the universe. 
and he can't do it. And he keeps failing and he keeps failing. And finally he comes in and he says, there are no ordinary moments. And he said, congratulations. That is true. You know, and it, and it really is. It's all about the moments that you have. Yeah. So thank you for sharing some of those moments with us this week on the Wholesome Chaos Podcast. We are incredibly excited that you're here and that you're a part of this journey with our family. Please stay tuned. If this was of use to you, mention it to your friends and go to wholesomecast.com to ask any questions or submit a topic you'd like us to discuss on future episodes like Benji did this week. And Maggie, anything else? Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope all of you have an incredible week and I hope to hear, not hear you guys, but, or see you guys, but (laughs) share this time with you. I hope to run into you in a coffee shop and we can have a conversation. We can share a deep moment of connection and human interaction. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Eddie and mom are going to Boston for a couple days. Less than 24 hours. To begin the process of de-Bostonizing Eddie. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> the de-Bostonization. Yeah, I was gonna say de-Bostonification, but yeah, yeah, that, yeah. the de-Bostonification has begun. <laughs> Which means I'm gonna be home alone with the dogs for a little bit. That, that's oh, good man. too. All right. Well, you take care, sweetheart. We sure love you. Love you guys. And we love you too, everyone. Take care. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye. Max and Dad's wholesome chaos. Max and Dad's wholesome chaos. Wholesome chaos. Okay, we got to do a quick tag, my guys. Okay, quick tag. You mentioned the desanification process has begun. I was going to say, like, what if we go to Boston and then we use all of our magic and then we can't get home? We can't fly home. Oh, no. That would be so tough. We'd have to send Spencer to bring you guys home. (laughs) Yeah. And then he'd eat too many candy bars. Uh, yeah, that, he would. Is that too or obscure? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's a little too obscure. If this is too obscure, listen, guys, I know it's like March, but go watch the Santa Claus 2. Maybe preface Santa it Claus with the Santa Claus two. 1 and follow it up with the Santa Claus 3. <laughs> That's right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.